0: In your bibles to the book of john chapter 5 we're in the fifth week of an activation series that we're on the entire summer and uh, i don't know if i've explained this to you if you've come to one of our guest connection lunches you may have heard this philosophy but for some of you who uh, haven't joined us for one of those yet we we don't really like taking series in two or four week bites or six week bites and part of that's because um well, two things, you know, I, I think that some of these things are so deep and they're so rich and meaty and weighty that it, it just takes a little bit longer to get into them. And the goal is not to preach good sermons. The goal is for our lives to be transformed. The goal is for the word to become flesh. And sometimes you've got to hit that. You've got to, you've got to cut the putting green many, many different ways, many different angles. You've got to attack that truth many different angles and uh, let that stuff build upon each other. And everything that we touch upon today should connect to last week, should connect to next week, should even connect to the sermon series that we had previous to this. And so I just don't know if it's possible to really walk in a deep level of activation in a two to four week series or a six week series. So we've just said the month or, or the summer of 2014, we're gonna slowly walk through this. And that's that's just how we... How we approach uh, our teaching topics there will probably be three topics a year that we really get into and uh, we want to really get into those things and let those things get into us I can't wait till uh, September we're going to be talking about God at work and the church in the marketplace and uh, developing a vocational theology and uh, I look forward to that but this builds into that and so uh, I'm excited to jump into that so Today, we're gonna talk a little bit more about vision. If you didn't hear the message last week, I encourage you to go to antioch.is and you can hear a little bit more about what we talked about, how vision is so critical to activation, that God wants to activate things inside of you that you don't even know are in your life. In fact, somebody prayed this this morning in the Sunday morning prayer time before service. And they said, God, the things that you have hidden in people's hearts from all of eternity. I mean, there are things that are hidden in you Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah chapter one, that before I was ever in my mother's womb, why, you know, you, you formed me in my mother's womb, you knew me, you named me, you put a prophetic destiny upon me. And God, before you were ever born physically, in the eyes of eternity, in God's vision, in God's spirit, you existed. And he put things inside of you, things that some of you don't even know are there yet, that he's waiting to unlock and activate and release in your life not just for you, but for the purpose of the kingdom. And today we wanna talk about not just vision because there's, there's, guys, there's tons of books written on vision, tons of books. We wanna talk about having a kingdom vision. We wanna talk about seeing what God is seeing and getting our lives into alignment and agreement with that which God sees, God's vision, not just our vision. We want our vision to come into alignment and agreement with God's vision. So here we're gonna begin in John chapter five. This is Jesus, he's having a dialogue with some of the religious leaders of that day. Don't have too much time to really break down that context. But the context there is important. Very simply, as, as Jesus is dialoguing with some of the religious leaders of that day, he's really bringing a new paradigm and a new way of life. He's bringing the purity of what living a relationship with God was always meant to be, was always designed to be. Not format, not rules, not just routines and regulations, not law-based, but really living a life that is so relationally connected to God that out of a relational connection, we're watching what the Father is doing every moment of every day. And our Christianity is an expression of what we're seeing the Father doing, which makes us utterly, in a good way, dependent upon what we see, not upon our own strength, not upon our own ability, not upon our own willpower to make laws, to follow laws or to abide by rules, but really out of our sonship and love for God, we're always looking upon him and then we're doing what he's doing. Yesterday, uh, took the family away for just a quick, spontaneous trip into the mountains. It was one of the greatest things greatest decisions I've made in a long, long time. Um, I can't remember what happened. We went out to go grab some lunch, and I said, I, I, I leaned over to Christy. I said, hey, what, what do you think about us going up to the mountains? And she's like, I'm, I'm game. Let's do it. Let's roll. And so we ran home, and we threw some bottles together, and um, we ran out to Bishop's Castle, and uh, compliments of my good friend Joe Schmidt here. And, um, you know, there's, there's a good element of danger for uh, wild boundaryless five year old boys <laughs> and uh, there 's a lot of jagged metal around that place and I remember I was, uh, I was cutting a path through this one rocky area, and uh, Christy was talking to Kenya. she said kenya don 't don't go that way. I want you to go around you know this other path where it 's you know smooth and this is what he said. she said he said, well daddy 's doing it, and because daddy 's doing it, then I can do it." So, so, uh, you know, so here's, here's the son for better or for worse. And he's watching and his actions and his decisions are coming out of that relational paradigm of what he sees the father doing. Those are the things that he's going to try to emulate in his own life. Fathers, we'll talk more about that on father's day, little, little precursor for father's day there. All right, let's look at verse 16. We'll read a couple of verses here to give us some context. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, healing, delivering, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. All right, let's pause right there. And uh, let's break that down here for a few minutes as it relates to vision and activation. Number one, you didn't understand that God is always at work. In fact, I want you just to activate that and say that with me. Say, God is always at work. That's what the son says about the father. He says, my father is always at his work. What does always mean? Always means always. In every situation, in every struggle, in every disappointment, in every mistake, in every seemingly failure of our lives, in every season and moment of our lives, say with me again, the father is always at his work. It's important for us to understand this, especially as we get into a revelation of how process ties into our activation. You know, it's, I think it's intuitive for us on some level when we talk about activation, there's something inside of us that expects and desires for things to be activated quickly in our lives. But that's not always the case. As we walk with the Father, as we walk in relational connection and context with God. We understand that even in moments that don't feel like he's at work, even in moments where he feels absent, this is so important for us as it relates to vision for our lives. The father is always at his work. Another way to say this, we've said this so many times around here is every day is training day because every day is a day where we can seek and find What the Father is working on. I want to say this another way. I want to say the same thing another way. Every moment that we wake up, every moment that we approach every day, right now in this moment, God is at work. Right now. When you leave this place, God is at work. He's working on something. Whether that be something in our lives or something with our marriage or something with our children or something about the way that we think. Even right now, there's paradigms that God wants to blast. He wants to break some of those paradigms, the way that we see life, the way that we think about things in life, the way that we approach life. He wants you to understand. He's at work trying to help you understand that he's always at work. Right now, in this very moment, the father is at work. In all situations, at all times. Now, our job is to find what is he up to? What is it that the father is doing? Because he is coordinating and orchestrating life to make us more like Jesus. Now, just a side note, because we're gonna stay here in John 5 for a little while. I want you to look at Romans chapter eight. This is one of the things that God is at work doing, one of many, but one that I'm gonna to, to touch and hit on. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. Scripture says, and we know, say, we know. know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is powerful. That in all things, now this is just weaving these two together. Jesus says that the father is always at work. And here Paul is echoing what Jesus says. We know that in all things, God is working. I want you to think about the most difficult seasons of your life that you've walked through. Times where you felt like you couldn't make it through. God, is, God was at work there. Disappointing moments in your life, God was at work there and he still is at work there. And the thing, that, the thing is, when you understand the eternal nature of God, things that happened long, long, long ago, to the degree that we can now receive revelation about that season, he can still be at work. He can still be at work in something that is seemingly already done and over. It's not over until we get heaven's perspective on it. It's not really complete until we have heaven's perspective on what happened. Because if until we get heaven's perspective, the lesson that God coordinated for us to understand was not fully assumed. It's only until the revelation of the lesson is fully assumed and it works what it was designed to work in our lives. Transformation into the likeness of Christ. Transformation into the will of God. Only then was that moment fully satisfied. We know that in all things, God works for the good. No, it may not feel like it, it may not seem like it, but to the degree that we can see what God is seeing, to the degree that we can get an agreement with what God is doing, to that degree, things will be good. Reminded of Joseph, those of you who are not aware of the story, young Hebrew boy, had 11 brothers. His 11 brothers uh, betrayed him, sold him into slavery. 13 years later, the the same brother was now in a position of authority and influence over all of Egypt, and he comes back into contact with his 11 brothers and he uses this powerful, powerful phrase. And he says that what the enemy intended for evil or harm, God has turned out for good. I like the way Oral Roberts said it many years ago, the devil's a bad devil and God is a good God. And the bad things that have happened in our lives or to our lives, they do not hold greater power than the goodness of God. The goodness of God is always greater than the badness of the devil. I know that may feel simple, that may feel too elementary, but God is at work to help us to understand that the goodness of God is far greater than the badness of the devil. Look at verse 29 here. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So one of the things that the father is always at work in, he's always working. And one of the things that he's always at work to do is to help you and I to become, to mature, to grow into more like Jesus. Every situation, that is part of God's vision for your life. In fact, you need to understand that when God sees you, he sees you, but he does not see you as you are. He sees you as he sees Christ, his son, sanctified, beautiful, whole, fully functioning in the way that he's created you to function. That's how God sees you. In fact, why don't you turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter five, kind of. Listening and following here, jump off the path and come back on. But Second Corinthians chapter 5, I feel a little breath on this. It's very, very important for us. We're going to begin in verse 16. Second Corinthians 5 verse 16 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So we're talking about vision here. We're talking about the way that we see others. We're talking about the way that we see ourselves. Paul is saying, we no longer look at people. Our vision of people is no longer from a low, carnal, tainted, worldly point of view. I was having a conversation this morning in pre-service prayer, man of God. And he said, the Lord is showing me how he sees people. What a powerful way to live life. What a powerful way to live life. Your coworkers, your boss, the person who's still learning how to drive after 30 years of driving. Some people are still learning, right? Whatever it is, every person that we encounter, it is possible. It is possible. Imagine life. Imagine living in such a way that every person you encounter, that you see them the way that God sees them. It's it's, it's, it's it's powerful. You know, years ago when I would hear that, I would hear, oh, God loves everybody. No, we're talking about something different. We're talking about the ability to look at a person. We're talking about some Professor X stuff going on here. We're talking about... Charles Xavier, we're talking about seeing somebody and seeing, oh, look at those gifts. Look at that, look at that story. Look at that imprint of God. Look at that blueprint. Look at their potential. Look at the purpose of God. Look, look, look at the ripple effect of their life and the earth. Look at all the people. Look at how things are gonna change drastically to the degree that they become conformed to the image and the likeness of Christ. That would literally, trend. you wanna talk about a revival. You wanna talk about an awakening. You just put a group of people, this is all we need, the people that are in this room. If every single one of us started consciously, intentionally engaging with God in such a degree that every single person, and it takes discipline and it takes maturity, but every single person that we encounter, we see what God sees in their lives. That is a vision worth striving towards. That is a way of life worth saying, God, Work in me, change me, grow me, mature me until I begin to see in every situation, particularly the most difficult situations, I see them the way that you see them. It will unlock something inside of you. It will unlock. So you see, we're so afraid of evangelism because we don't understand evangelism, right? Because we get things backwards, If we understood God, the primary thing is, I wanna get into your eyes. I wanna get into your heart. I wanna so get into who you are. I wanna so see what you're seeing, right? What did Jesus say? I only do those things that I see the father doing. We can only do the things that we see the father doing when we see what the father sees. I wanna see people the way that God sees them. And then all of a sudden our interaction with them completely changes time constraints, change, pressure, busyness, stress in our interactions. I can't stop with that person. No, I can stop because I've got to call out of that person what I'm seeing in them. You have the ability to call things out of people that they don't even know are there. One of the great privileges of being a son and a daughter of God is that we get to hear what God says and see what God sees because those that don't know Christ, they don't have that privilege. They're lost, they're wandering, they're looking, they have no idea who they are. They don't. But you and I have the ability to see and hear what God is seeing over them and saying over them that we have the potential in God to speak over their lives what God says. We have the potential in heaven to actually re-correct thinking that people have about what God thinks. You know, most people think that God is angry with them, that God is ashamed of them, that God is disappointed in them. Imagine being at a restaurant. Imagine as you're about to engage in your conversation, imagine how it would change your meetings if, if when you got together, you would say, hey, listen, I know we got a lot of things to cover today, but you know, as we bless our food, why don't we just ask God to show us how he, what he sees in this person? And imagine just on a five to 15 second encounter, say, hey, I don't know what you think about what God thinks about you, but I I need to let you in a little secret. I just feel like God just told me something about you and he wants you to know this is what he sees in you. And, And man, you can do that. That is in you. You are capable of that. You have that kind of capacity. God's inviting us into a greater dimension of letting us see what he sees in people letting us see what he sees in ourselves. I want us to apply this to our own lives, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So from now on, we regard no one, not even ourselves from a worldly point of view. All the things that people have spoken over you, all the limitations, all the word curses, right now in the name of Jesus, we declare that every limiting word We declare that everything that people have spoken over your lives from parents to teachers, to coaches, to ex-spouses, to ex-boyfriends, girlfriends, enemies, bosses, supervisors, every limiting word that people have spoken over your lives that has come from a worldly point of view, we break that off of your lives in the name of Jesus. That is not your label. That is not your identity. That is not your destiny. We declare that I just, I just pray over your lives that we begin to see ourselves, not from a worldly point of view, but from a heavenly point of view. I just feel by the spirit this morning, there are some of you who have maybe said at one point, I could never do that. And if that's you, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but just right now, just repent. Why don't we all do it together so that nobody's embarrassed. Say, I repent for speaking things over my life that were out of alignment and out of agreement with what God is speaking. And I break my limiting confession that there are things that you have called me to do that I have said I cannot do. I repent of that and I renounce those words in Jesus' name. You're gonna start running like you have never ran before. So we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Watch this, verse 17. Therefore if anyone is in Christ, who's in Christ here this morning? If you're not raising your hand, I'm coming after you in an altar call in 10 minutes. (laughs) If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. It's very important to declare that over your life. You know, there are times in my life where I've, allowed myself to get into the cycle of not becoming a new creation. Patterns, habits, you know, for anybody who's ever been discouraged by a habit that you feel like you could not break, doesn't matter what it is. Procrastination, showing up late, not paying your bills on time, interrupting people, talking too much, whatever it is. Being being short, having a hot temper, substance abuse, it doesn't matter. Listen, here's, here's the lie. The lie is I can't change these things. The truth is you are a new creation. Old things pass away. All things, what does all mean? All means all. All means all, which means all things have the capacity to become new in your life. The way you see, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you interact, the way you believe, your heart posture, your attitude, your disposition, the way that you communicate, the way that you interact. I appreciate all of the personality tests that are out there. But listen, Jesus is the full embodiment of every personality type. And my goal is not to become a better choleric or a better sanguine or a better phlegmatic or E-F-N-J-I-S-T-D, all those things that are out there. My goal is to become a better Jesus. So I, I believe that you and I have the capacity to become strong in every strength of every personality because that's our goal. Our goal is Christ. Yeah. You can change. You are changing. Vision will activate that in your lives. Let me show you something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Begin with verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Scripture says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Remember last week we talked about physical eyes and spiritual eyes. You have a set of spiritual eyes. The way that we are able to access the invisible The way that we bring the invisible things that God is seeing into the realm of the natural, into the realm of the invisible, the realm of the visible is not with our physical eyes, it is with the eyes of our spirit. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Vision must be revealed. God's vision for your life is hidden. Let me let you in on a little secret. Some of you guys have seen this show, um, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, right? And uh, for those of you guys who aren't aware of the show, I I don't even know if it's still going on anymore. Is it still going on? Ty Pennington and his crew, guys, they'd come into a place, old, run-down, dilapidated homes, and they'd come in, and in a week's time, they would absolutely transform these homes. I mean, incredible, incredible. And right before they would bring this family back in to see their home, they'd put this huge bus, bus would stand between the house and the couple and they'd pull up in this limousine and there's this bus between them and the house and then Ty Pennington would say, but move that bus. They'd move the bus and then all of a sudden what happens? They have revelation. Revelation very simply means something that was covered is now uncovered, right? So there's vision that God has for you. There's vision that God has for your family. There's vision that God has for every encounter of every day. Every day. Every day. The thing that made Jesus so incredible as a son of God was that he understood that in every moment of every day, God has a vision for every encounter. Every encounter. Hundreds of encounters a day. Jesus was aware. God, what 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 are you seeing right here? What are you doing right here? Here I am, I'm going to J. Iris' house because his daughter uh, is, is, is dying. And all of a sudden, there's a gal, she starts tugging on him. And I think that Jesus, in that moment, instead of saying, Listen, I, I'm, I'm busy right now, I think in that moment, that interruption, Jesus said, Father, what are you seeing? And the father said, I'm seeing her healed. I think the father said, son, I'm seeing her with her issue of blood. I'm seeing faith come out of her. Son, what are you seeing? Son, I'm seeing a pursuit that is so different than I've ever seen anybody pursue. I see her drawing virtue from you. Son, what do you see? Uh, father, I see the same thing. And he stops and he looks around. And he says, who touched me? Somebody touched me. I think that he stopped because he saw what father was seeing and he saw a healing that was whole and complete. Jesus is coming out of Jericho and there's a guy there by the name of Bartimaeus and he's crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody else saw a blind man and everybody else saw an interruption and they operated out of their low level vision. And they said, quiet, be quiet. The master's leaving, be quiet. And Jesus says, father, what are you seeing? And the father said, I see a man who's blind, but has more sight than the people who have physical eyes. Son, I see a man who can see. Son, I see a man who is crying out in faith. I see a man who's not a spectacle. He's not an interruption. He's not an annoyance. I see a man who is pulling on me and I need you to heal him because I see him healed. Every moment of every day, possibility awaits us to the degree that we see what father is seeing. The reason why this is so important is because activation on our own will always in some way become about us, will come from us, will serve us. But when we begin to live life, God, you're activating me because I'm on assignment with you. You're activating me so I can better serve you. You're activating me because there are things you're dreaming over my city. I wanna see what you see over Colorado Springs. I don't want to waste my time. Those of you guys who are at school, don't waste your time. Every single moment of every day, God is seeing something. What does He see? What is He seeing? What is He? God, He's always at work. Always at work. You know, on times when I'm on my game, I see it. In times when I'm not, I just exist. I just coast, I just float, I'm just autopilot. I just am through the motions. Christy and I were talking about that yesterday, about proactive versus reactive living. We're driving through the mountains and I said, you know, I said, when I'm not on my game, I'm just reactive. I'm reacting, I'm reacting, but we're not called to be reactive people. One of the reasons why we are in the yoke of abiding with God, one of the reasons, one of the things, one of the benefits that is at our disposal when we abide in Christ is we learn how to see better. Last week, we talked about vision. I want you to write this down. You see what you're looking for. Some of you are asking, how how, how do I see that? How do I see that? What are you looking for? So I was laying my head down to sleep last night. I I felt these three things just drop into my mind. We see what we look for. We see what we look at and we see what we look toward. We see what we look for, we see what we look at or look upon, and we see what we look toward. All right, so just jot that down, think about that in the weeks to come, and maybe Lord will unpack some things. Going back to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Listen, a great prayer for us, a great prayer. If you're asking, I don't know how to see, This is a good stopping point. I got about a lot, I got a lot more, but it's a good stopping point. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven says this. Write that down. Matthew seven, verse seven. Pray the scripture, memorize the scripture, get the scripture inside of you. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek, seek, seek. What do you see in that? See." You will see what you seek. You see what you look for. You see what you look for. Oh, come on, how many, how many times have you guys thought about buying a new car? Got your mind set on a particular car, and then what do you see everywhere? That car. Christian and I, before we moved here, we were interviewing at another church, well-known church. And um, we were about to go interview down there in Texas at this particular church, and all of a sudden we began to see the name of this church everywhere. Street signs that we'd passed by for years. Uh, License plates. Everywhere we turned, all of a sudden we're just seeing the name of this church everywhere. Well, it's because you see what you look for. And this is what Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. And so the call of God unto us today, the call of God, the thing that the invitation of God, the invitation that he is issuing for us very simply is, ask me to show you what I'm seeing. Seek me for the things that I'm seeing. Knock Right, knock, pursue, open up. God, I want to see, I want to see your vision. I want to see what it is that you're seeing in every moment of every day, in every interaction. Every interaction holds eternal possibility. God, every action. To the degree that you see this is the degree that you operate in the eternal versus the natural or the eternal versus the mundane or the supernatural versus the natural. Don't you know right now in this very moment, I wanna, I wanna call you higher. Right now in this moment, you're sitting around someone and God sees something over their life. And how fulfilling is it right now in this moment that God is seeing something about someone around you that could literally change the course of their life? It could encourage them, it could strengthen them, it could breathe fresh wind into their sails, it could put hope into them. But when we come here not seeing that possibility, not seeing that potential, every person that comes through these doors, you have an opportunity to be a gateway between heaven and earth for every single person. What are you seeing? Are you just seeing people, nameless, faceless people walk all around you? Or are you seeing ministry opportunity? Are you seeing a brother or a sister who could be lifted out of the situation that they're in? It would change everything. It's the difference between normal living and Christian living. Abundant living. Abundant life is doing the thing that you see Father seeing. And so right now, I want you to ask the Lord, God, is there somebody around me right now that you wanna speak something over their life? Is there something that you are seeing about somebody that's around me? Just a personal testimony, you know, I'm not typically, or I'll, I'll say this, I haven't typically been one who's partnered with this in such a way that I see things, but I'm asking the Lord to do this and show this to me even during service, the Lord began showing me some things over a brother. So I just kind of launched out, got out of the boat, practiced it. I'm not sure if I was on or off, but I was like, hey, I I got a couple of pictures that the Lord showed me and want to share them with you. And I pray they were right on. I do. But I want to see what God is seeing around about the people around me, about myself, about my situation. That vision is going to it's going to activate some things. You'll start seeing. You ask Him, He'll start showing you. You will, and just pra- life group is a great place to practice that. Not the only place, but it is a great place. So right now, God, I ask that you just begin showing us. Show us what you see, God. About ourselves, about our brother, about our sister.